Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host, and today I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike's been with us two or three times through the quarter. Uh, Mike, thank you for being with us today. He's the content editor for Adult Explore the Bible team, and we're going to be looking at session 13. In session 13, we, we come finally to the end of our study of Ecclesiastes. We're going to be looking at chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. And the main point that we'll be looking at is that the wise person fears and obeys God. There are three main points that we'll be looking at, three scripture divisions, the twilight, the truth, and the conclusion. In verses 1 through 8, we see the twilight. In these passages, Solomon reflected on life, encouraging the younger person to live in fear of God and to never forget God. Solomon paints this picture of old age, and he identifies issues faced by a person as they age. He noted the end result coming in death with our bodies returning to the dust from which they were created. The main point here is that we can finish well by continuing to focus on God as we age. The, third, the second section is the truth. This is verses 9 and through 11 of chapter 12. In these verses, Solomon, identifying himself as the teacher, explained that he taught others what he discovered. He also recorded sayings to be shared. He emphasized that true wisdom comes from God. In this section, we can understand that we as believers can pass on to others the truth and wisdom that we have gained. Verses 12 through 14 is the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes. In these verses, Solomon concluded by giving a warning against learning for the sake of learning. And he called for God's people to fear and obey God since he will judge every human. The main point for us is that the purpose in life is found through fearing and obeying God. How do we avoid developing a fatalistic view of life, knowing what awaits for us as we age? Our culture is, is different from many cultures in the world. You know, um, Many other cultures in the world um, see age as a sign of wisdom. The elderly are honored. Um, in our culture today, we do everything we can to hide the fact that we're aging. How, I think that how we in our culture look at this passage maybe is determined by what season of life we're in. Don't you think? How, how, you, oh, how yeah. you look at these verses? I mean, if you're young and you, you're reading these verses, you think, how depressing, you know, that, that, that this is what my life is going to come to. But if you're older, you know, you read these verses, you, you just, you can identify with that. It's like, yep, that's me. Yeah, I've got that. And I've got that. <laughs> so you're looking at it in a whole different light when you, when you get to that, that age where some of these things are happening to you. And so, you know, he's using, Solomon's using these, this metaphor, metaphorical language to describe, uh, you know, the, the deterioration of the body as old age approaches. I mean, and, and I should say that not all commentators would agree on what this, all this imagery means, but, but most do agree on, on this point, that, that Solomon is painting a picture of old age, and, and he's really identifying the issues faced as, as a person ages. 
Uh, so this metaphorical imagery, you know, he's, he's really describing, you know, the hands trembling, the teeth, you know, the grind, he's, I think the word is grinders, you know, he's talking about the teeth going missing and chewing becomes difficult, your eyesight grows dim, your hearing fades, your uh, sleeping is more difficult, you're waking up early, uh, even the almond tree blossoms, you know, and that's the hair turning, turning white, um, which, again, in ancient times, that was a badge of honor, you know, that Proverbs says the splendor of old man is old men is gray hair. Um, so how do you I think your question was, how do you de uh, avoid developing a fatalistic view of life when you read this? Uh, you know, I, God wants us to remember that life is short. I think it, he wants us to remember that. It, you know, there's a verse in James chapter four. It says when you, that for you're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You know, that's that's life. We're here for such a short time. And knowing that we have such limited time ought to help us focus our lives on using our days well and focusing on what really matters. So I think, you know, um, I, I think if you're young, you're looking at this and you're young, keep in mind that Solomon is writing it especially to you. You know, how's, how does he start? Verse yeah. one, that chapter 12, verse one, how does he start? Yeah. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. He's not writing to us older adults. He's writing to youth. And, and there's a good word here, a good re reminder here. Don't waste your life pursuing things that don't really matter in the big picture of things. The most exciting, fulfilling life is a life that's centered on God. And he wants you to know that when you're young, so you don't waste your life. Now, if you're older, Ecclesiastes reminds you that growing old is just a normal, natural part of life. And like I said, it's in scripture, there's honor involved in aging. Um, and as we, as we age, we're reminded in scripture to, to finish well, you know, we to, to finish well, and like Paul, you know, and talked more than once about finishing well. And he, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he said, my purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And it's like he's saying there, I'm going to spend my life doing the work that God has given me to do, which he says is testifying to God's grace. I love, you know, um, I, I remember, I'm old enough to remember uh, Tom Landry, you know, legendary Dallas Cowboys football coach. I, oh, yeah. I, remember, I remember watching him on the sidelines. Um, had, had a lot of respect for him. And I, one, of, one of his quotes was, today, you have 100% of your life left. Today, you have 100% of your life left. And, and, and that's true, no matter, you know, if you're 19 or, or, or 90, you have 100% of your life left, use it well. Because you never get too old, you never get too sick, you never get too feeble to bear testimony to the grace of God. And Paul said, you know, that's, that's my ministry till, till the day I die, he says, my, my ministry is to testify to the, the gospel of God's grace. And you can do that uh, until your very last breath. Well, Solomon, points to the value of being experienced, having some life under your belt in what he says in, in uh, verses nine through 11 about passing it on to other people, yeah. uh, passing on what you've learned. He has some credibility at that point that someone who is younger probably wouldn't have because they hadn't experienced life to the, to the extent that Solomon had at that point. So you've already mentioned Tom Landry. So I'll stay in the state of Texas. Okay. Uh, Harvey Pinnock was a golf coach and he used to have this notebook that he would carry. He'd keep notes in that notebook. 
And there were all kinds of folks wanting him to print what he had in that notebook. And he refused to do it because he thought, who would want to read what I've had to say? I'm just a simple guy that teaches people how to play golf. That's all it is. In the beginning of the book, he makes this statement as he, he's, he's contemplating whether he should print his notes. And he says, maybe it was wrong to hoard the knowledge I had accumulated. Maybe I had been granted these 87 years of life and this wonderful career in order that I should pass on to everyone what I had learned. The gift had not been given to me to be kept in secret, or excuse me, to be kept secret. Pennock handed this notebook over to a sports writer. That writer took the notes and organized them into a book. And the book that Pennock thought would never sell has sold more than 6 million copies now. But it has all kinds of stories, not just about golf, but about people he's met, about being a gentleman, how you, you know, character in life, those kinds of things, which make it a, a value. Uh, so here's this guy, Pinnock is one example. He's lived this long life and he's passing on wisdom to the next generation, people, things he's learned. You see that here in Solomon as, as well. He's saying, I should pass on the wisdom I've gained in this life. Here's a question. Why should we bother to even think about doing that? Solomon was very purposeful in doing that, wasn't he? He was, he was very intentional about, about doing that. And, and he also said at the end of the book that whatever wisdom that he had gained you know, and passed on, that wisdom had been revealed by God. Like he, he said this is uh, verse 11 of chapter 12. That the sayings are given by one shepherd, which is God himself. And Solomon is saying that this wisdom and this wisdom in this book that he's passing on to the younger generation, as we pointed out, he's speaking to the younger generation. This wisdom has been revealed by God to lead us to God. Sharing, sharing with the next generation your, your um, collected wisdom, your, your stories. And, you know, we all have stories to tell as we grow older. We have stories, you know, we, we love to tell to, to the next generation, our grandkids or whoever. And all of that is great and, and it's, it's valuable. It's, it's, it can be entertaining and fun. The real value in passing on our, the wisdom we've gained is determine whether that wisdom leads to an understanding of God's revealed truth. Whether that wisdom we're passing on leads, leads those who hear it uh, to a greater understanding of who God is and, and his truth. So that's, that's what Solomon is saying here at the end, I think, is all of this he's passing on is just not, he's not, he's, he's not just an old man, you know, reflecting on life. He's, he's giving, passing on some wisdom here um, to help younger people have a greater understanding of, of uh, truth. And, and, and he's passing these things on so that they can have a greater understanding of God's purpose for their lives and so that's that's the value in passing on um, yeah. he points to them as being cattle prides yeah so it's and so, so sometimes it's, it's <laughs> maybe not pleasant to hear yeah so sometimes it's, it's not just you know the, the fun stories sometimes it's something more than that every quarter we designate one lesson uh, as the evangelistic lesson, although there's multiple lessons that could lend, lend themselves to present the gospel in our Bible study groups. For this quarter, this particular lesson, uh, lesson 13 here, when we're looking at Ecclesiastes 12, is the evangelistic lesson. Lesson, excuse me. 
So how can we use this passage to point people to Jesus? Solomon, uh, we've, we've pointed out before that Solomon is showing us the world from an earthly perspective. I know when we talked about uh, the, the first chapter of Ecclesiastes a number of weeks ago, session eight, I think, talk, I talked about that, how uh, he's looking at the world from, uh, from an earthly perspective under the sun. It's a view of life apart from God. This is life without Christ, before Christ. And, he, and it describes, the book as a whole, describes the hopelessness and the meaningless of life without God. And so the key question of the book is what makes life worth living? That's the question that the whole, this book is about. What makes life worth living? And I said, I think I also said back a few weeks ago that this is maybe the most contemporary book in the Bible. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I think I think there's there's uh, validity in saying that it's definitely a very contemporary book because it speaks so well to people who are trying to build their lives on things that really don't last in the big picture. They don't. They're building their things on success and careers and wealth and power and accumulating stuff. And the book awakens us to our need for something more in life. There's really, there's something more to life than all of that. Uh, that's just a chasing after the wind, Solomon would say. So Ecclesiastes ends with this, uh, it ends with an invitation, you know, an appeal or an invitation to, to find the full meaning of life in a relationship with God. So it all comes down to, to that. You know, he says, uh, the conclusion of the matter is this. Um, fear God, keep his commandments, because this is for all humanity. And when he says this is for all humanity, he's really, he's really saying the language there, uh, the Hebrew is saying, um, really, this is the essence of what it means to be human. This is the essence of life as God created it. This is where we find life. It's in fearing God, keeping his commands. And that for us, that starts with trusting Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, you know, who Jesus said he's, he came that we can have life and that we can have it more abundantly. So what makes life worth living? That's, that's the question of Ecclesiastes. What makes life worth living? And the question is found at the very end. God does. A relationship with God through Christ makes life worth living. So yeah, this, this is not only a very contemporary book, it's a very evangelistic book because it points us to the need of the gospel. Uh, that la the very last verse, verse 14, for God will bring every act of judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Um, that's a humbling thought that everything we've thought that we think nobody else knows will be examined by God at that point. Yeah. And the question will be then, are those covered by Christ or are they not? And the answer is if we put our faith in Christ, then those are covered and we don't have to worry about it. Mike, any other key thoughts or ideas you would share as we conclude this study of Ecclesiastes? No, it's, it's always a treat for me to get to do this and just to talk about uh, the scripture. And I, I really appreciate uh, you letting me do this. So thanks. Oh, sure. Thank you. I'm glad you, you, you join us. One thing you may want to do since this is the end of the study of Job and Ecclesiastes is at the end of your Bible study time, you may ask folks just to look through the table of contents look at the 13 lessons that we've studied and ask them, is there one in particular that stood out? Why did that stand out? Have a conversation about that. Note the progression 
of how Job moves to a conclusion and how Ecclesiastes move to, moves to a conclusion and how those conclusions are very, very similar. Job understands knowing God personally. And then here you have Ecclesiastes where it's the emphasis on fearing God and keeping his commandments, which both of those things are related. So I, I would encourage you to, to, to conclude your group time by doing that because it kind of helps everybody tie the bow on this study this quarter. I want to thank you all for listening today. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send them to me on my email at McCreary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. Or if I don't know the answer, I'll find the right person who can answer that question. Next week, we'll begin a new study. We'll be looking at Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Hope you'll join us then as we start that study of those three New Testament books.